the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is SoCal Live with Scott Furrow. Join the conversation now by texting Scott in the SoCal Live studio at 213-537-3812. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Southern California Live. Scott Furrow here, and it's Passion Week here, and we each and every day are inviting a different pastor to come in and share their thoughts on the themes of Passion Week and leading up to Easter. And today's theme is going to be Exalt Him from Romans 12.1. It's, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. And, of course, on Thursday of Holy Week is the Passover, and we'll talk about that here in just a moment. What we want you to do is prepare your heart for this season and also to encourage you to invite somebody to Easter services or whatever your tradition is, whenever you're having services, invite somebody who doesn't go to church, who doesn't know the Lord. This is a great time because they're probably wondering why you're not inviting them. They know you go to church if they know you go to church, and hopefully they do. And uh, this is a great time to say, hey, we're going to celebrate Resurrection Sunday, and we want you to uh, come with me. And we're going to give you a perspective on that today. I think you're going to really enjoy with me to talk about this today is Messianic Rabbi Gary Dershinsky. Dershinsky. And uh, since 2010, Gary has been the Messianic Rabbi of Beth Ariel Messianic Congregation in Los Angeles. He's an avid sailor and musician. He's married to Mary Lou, his wife, of uh, 49 years. 49 years. And your son, Joel, is the academic director for the University of Connecticut football team. And uh, that's right. Rabbi Gary, welcome to Southern California Live. Yeah, it's great to be here, Scott. Thank you so much for inviting me and allowing me to come into the, uh, into the studio. It's great to have you today. And as we're doing Passion Week, Today, I think, is it's God has ordained bringing you here today, because we want to talk about Passover and give Christians a little bit better of an idea of what's happening at the Lord's Supper, what is happening in Jerusalem, what all of this means. And so we'll get to that here in a second. Tell us about yourself, and how did you come to faith? And uh, let's just begin with that. Okay. Well, I was raised in an Orthodox Jewish home. So from my earliest years, when I was five years old or so, I was brought to the to the synagogue. I was in Hebrew school on Tuesdays and Thursdays afternoons. And then on Fridays, I was with my father in the synagogue worshiping because the Sabbath begins at sundown. Right. You know, in Genesis, it says the evening and the morning was the first day. Mm. So in Jewish tradition, the days start in the evening. So when Friday evening begins... Uh, it's the seventh day. So on Friday nights, we'd be at the synagogue uh, celebrating the Sabbath. And then we were back in the synagogue Saturday morning. And then contrary to popular belief, um, in my Hebrew school, in my synagogue, we had Sunday school. Hmm. So Sunday mornings from 9 to 12, I was in Hebrew class. And uh, so that's how I grew up as a young boy. When I was 13, I was bar mitzvahed. I continued to investigate my faith. Uh, I always had this desire to know God. I always questioned, how was it that Abraham heard the voice of God calling him and telling him to go to a land that God would show him? And I always wanted to hear God's voice like that. Mm. But I never really did. 
I sort of found myself going through other traditions of the Jewish people, the various festivals, celebrations, things at home. But I never came away saying, you know, God hears me or I hear God. I mean, I was reading the scripture and I knew it was God's word. Uh, It wasn't until I was 17 that a non-Jewish friend of mine raised in the Catholic Church had told me he became a Christian. I was shocked because I knew he wasn't Jewish, so I figured he always was a Christian. And he told me he wasn't, that he had been Christianized, Hmm. that he had memorized the Baltimore Catechism. He had become an altar boy. He had gone to confession. Uh, He had done all the things that was expected of him, having been raised a Catholic. But he had told me he had not become a Christian until he invited uh, the Lord Jesus into his heart, and now he knew God. And so my response to him was simply, um, I'm happy for you. That's great. You know, you've, you've yeah. found God. What does that have to do with me? And, um, and inside, though, I was sort of angry, sort of mm-hmm. seething, because as one raised in, the Jewish, in a Jewish home, I figured I would be hearing God's voice and I would know him. And here my non-Jewish friend who is raised Catholic is telling me that he now knows God the way I've always wanted to mm. uh, and wasn't Jewish. So we got into a little conversation. He said, you know, happiness doesn't have a whole lot to do with this. It, what, what this has to do with is the truth. If uh, Jesus was the Messiah, wouldn't you want to believe in him? He said to me. And I said, of course, you know, if we, if Jesus really is the Messiah, who wouldn't want to believe in him? And he said, so have you ever read about Jesus for yourself? And I told him I hadn't. Uh, My parents always told me, you know, that we as Jews worshipped on Saturday. The Christians worshipped on Sunday. The Christians had Jesus. We had Moses. Uh, The Christians had New Testament. We had the Old Testament. And the two are not supposed to be mixed. Mm. So uh, I never read the New Testament. I think the closest I came was when I was in elementary school or I was like in fourth grade or something and went into the library and on the shelf was a holy Bible. And I reached up to look at it and I took it off the shelf and I opened it and I felt the guilt of looking at the New Testament and I closed it real quick and I put it back on the shelf. And now, when I was 17, my friend is saying, if I gave you a Bible with the New Testament, would you read it? Mm. And I said, uh, sure. He didn't have a Bible in his hand, so I figured, you know, I was okay. He said, okay, well, let's walk home, and I'll go by my church, and I'll get you a Bible. And he walked in the church and took out a Bible. It was a small church. It was The Bible was a Gideon Bible that was placed there because the church was too small, couldn't afford Bibles. Right. And I took home a King James Version, red letter edition. I didn't know what that meant back then. And snuck it home at night and under my covers with a flashlight, began to read the Gospel of Matthew. And over a period of a number of months, six, seven, eight months or so, God started speaking to me. And as I began to hear this still small voice in the inner recesses of my soul, And going through the circumstances I had been going through at the time, it led me to that place where I said, Jesus, if you can do something with my life, you can have it. And I was 17 years old. I was May 1st. And uh, I've walked with him as faithfully as I could. 
uh, from that time uh, to the present. So you went to seminary. You became uh, eventually you went to uh, work for different organizations, eventually became a pastor. And there's a lot to that story. But I want to get us to this point for today. And you are explain your, your title. So in case people don't understand it, what is a Messianic Jew? So a Messianic Jew is basically a Jewish person. So what does it mean to be a Jew? To be a Jew means to be a descendant of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. It doesn't really have much to do with what you believe. Uh, Now, Judaism is a different story. Now, if you're asking what does it mean, what is Judaism, Judaism is a system of beliefs Mm -hmm. um, that involves a certain series of traditions that are relevant to the Jewish people and that grow out of uh, the Hebrew Scriptures and have been codified in Jewish law and, and in the Talmud and the Mishnah and the Gomorrah and all of these various different Jewish writings and, and documents. That's Judaism. Hmm. Being a Jew has to do with origins. Yeah. So our origin, my origin, is through the uh, descendancy of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So there are many Jews that uh, believe in some form of Judaism, be it a reform conservative or orthodox. There are some Jews that are agnostic. There are some Jews that are secular. There are some Jews that are atheists. There are some Jews that are into Eastern mysticism. I mean, it's not a matter of what you believe. It's a matter of your ancestry. Yeah. So a Messianic Jew is a Jewish person who has descended from Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and has come to believe in the Messiah. Now, there are many Jews that believe in the coming of the Messiah. That is, they anticipate that sometime in the future, Messiah will come and bring about a period of peace and prosperity. But for we who refer to ourselves as Messianic Jews, we go a step further. We certainly believe that there is a Messiah that the Scriptures promised. We certainly believe that that Messiah will come sometime in the future to establish his kingdom and to bring about a worldwide era of peace and harmony and of unity of of persons. But we also believe that that Messiah has come and that he's come in the person of Yeshua. That's his Hebrew name. God is salvation. Jesus is a more Anglicized, Latinist, you know, Greek kind of of word. But um, so we as Messianic Jews believe that Yeshua, Jesus of Nazareth, is the Jewish Messiah that was promised to us uh, through the law and the prophets and will come again one day to uh, reign over the earth and bring about that uh, time of peace and prosperity. And while we as Jews are excited that he's the Jewish Messiah, we're equally excited that as the Jewish Messiah, he can be the Messiah of all peoples, whether Jewish or non-Jewish. So when you look at Passion Week and you look yeah. at uh, Thursday and the Passover, and then we have this this command from Paul who says, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice like Jesus, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Take that verse and uh, walk us through this idea of exalting Christ and how meaningful it is that today is Passover, 
Mm-hmm. And how that fits into the story. Give us some some depth about this for us to understand. Yeah, it's interesting in that verse, you know, Paul begins with the word in the Greek. It begins with the word therefore. Yep. So the therefore is there for a very specific <laughs> a purpose. There for a reason. Right, right. it's there for a reason. Yeah. And basically he's saying based on everything that I have written up to this point. Yeah. Uh, we have a great privilege to offer ourselves as living sacrifices, which he says is some translations say, which is uh, our spiritual service. But the word there is a word that we get logic from, the word logic. That's why we also read reasonable or acceptable. So Paul's point is if you have read chapters 1 to 11 – And you've really come to absorb and embrace fully what I'm writing here. And if you understand it, that's the reasonable aspect. It's your reasonable service. Um, If you really understand this fully and it's made its way into the inner recesses of your being, into your heart, then the logical, reasonable, meaningful response would be to willingly, fully, devotionally, in a, in a sense of dedicating yourself in service to God. And the interesting thing about the word service, um, the Greek word there, when the Jewish writers of the Septuagint, a document written some 200 years before the time of Jesus, a translation from the Hebrew into Greek, when the Jewish writers came to this Hebrew word avodah, which is the word for work, and it is principally used to speak of the work of the priests in the offering of the sacrifices when they led the people of Israel in worship. That's the word that Paul uses in Romans 12, 1 and 2. When he says it's your reasonable service, it's your reasonable Hebrew avodah, it's your reasonable worshipful service. And so it seems to me that what Paul means to say is if we take all that he has written and the book of Romans being the most theologically astute uh, writing in, in all of the Bible, yes. certainly the New Testament, but all of the Bible. And I like to say, I used to say to my students when I was teaching and then to the congregations that I've had the privilege to pastor, I said, you know, there are five most important books in the Bible. And these five most important books ought to be preeminent in our reading and in our study because we only have so much time and space in our lives. So we want to make sure these five books take up a good deal of time and space in our study. And while all of us have those books we particularly cherish, I suggest that these are the five most important books. And these were suggested to be my, one of my professors. So this is not my idea, but I think he's right. And so three are in the Old Testament, the book of Genesis, the book of Psalms, and the book of Isaiah. Two of them are in the New Testament, the book of John, the book of Romans. Hmm. That means to say, and I, I'm pointing this out only to say that if we understand what Paul is writing in Romans – And we need to understand that, especially if it is one of our five most important books of the Bible. Then we realize 
that this reasonable service is based on all that he's told us we've become the recipients of by virtue of our being united with Messiah in his death, burial, and resurrection. And therefore, during Passion Week, and especially on Passover, um, we ought to be ones that now dedicate ourselves for this service of worship. And what is worship? Well, the Hebrew word for worship means to bow oneself down before. Yeah. And so worship, in essence, is a commending of ourselves fully into God's will and purpose that he has for our lives. We just finished celebrating uh, Purim, which is the reading of the book of Esther. Many people don't realize this because we don't take note of calendars. But Passover begins on the 14th day of Nisan. Mm -hmm. And Purim is on the 14th day of Adar. Passover is in the first month of the Jewish calendar, Nisan. Adar is the last month of the Jewish calendar. So you have these two bookends of stories of redemption. You have the story of the redemption from Egypt and you have the story of the redemption from the evil designs of Haman that wanted to destroy the Jews. Yeah, the book of Esther. Exactly. And so, and another interesting thing is these are the only two festivals in all of Israel's festivals, all of Israel's holidays. They're the only two festivals that are festivals based on events. The Passover, the Exodus, hmm. the Purim, the deliverance of the Jewish people from the Persians in the book of Esther. And by them being at the front end of the calendar and at the back end of the calendar, it means to say that our whole life, from beginning to end, from the first day of the first month through the the last day of the last month, is to be a life lived in worship to God, in appreciation. That's too light a word, but I can't think of a better one right now. But in full appreciation, acknowledgement, and reception of the redemptive work of God, even as it redeems us from Egypt, redeems us from Haman's evil designs. And Paul's words in chapters 1 to 11, they're very specific and detailed, but what are they detailing? They're detailing the redemptive work of Messiah that unites us unto God from whom we have been alienated, which by and thereby dedicating our lives to him in service, we would be walking worshipers <laughs> from morning to night, from the first day of the calendar to the last day of the year. You're listening to Southern California Live, and my guest is Messianic Rabbi Gary Dereshinsky. And uh, Gary, we just have a couple of minutes left, but as we're talking about this, there's obviously so much more that we Absolutely. we really can get into. And I think looking at it from the standpoint of, of reason, Right. And when we look at what happens on this Thursday and the Passover, Jesus, when he is at the Lord's Supper, what he's doing, he's pointing to himself. Yes, he is. On that day. If you really study it intellectually, you see that, don't you? Yeah. Well, uh, John said, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And when Messiah gathers with his disciples takes them through the entire Passover. And by the way, this uh, April 8th, you know, we're going to hold a Passover actually falls. I think it's Wednesday night, Mm -hmm. April, what is it, 5th or so. Yeah. Um, And then we have 
uh, the, the uh, Thursday, Monday, Thursday, and then Easter on Sunday. But we'll be celebrating Passover with our congregants uh, on Saturday, April 8th. And we'll go through all of the traditions that Messiah observed and that the Jewish people observed. But all those traditions point to him as the redeeming Messiah of Israel, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And by faith in him, we can have eternal life. I think as people are listening, that's something that people should understand. So in the series, you know, we're asking people, well, what are you doing on your church, in your church on Easter Sunday? And uh, your answer is, well, nothing, because we meet on Saturday. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> you know, well, that's true. It's not exactly like that, because you're, you're celebrating the Passover on Saturday, but then you celebrate the resurrection the following weekend. Is that correct? Not the following weekend, uh, but, but in the context of Passover, our yes. Passover Seder, we will acknowledge both the death burial and resurrection of messiah right uh, because he's alive right yeah when we celebrate the resurrection we're not merely looking to the past when he came out of the tomb we're also celebrating the present because he's alive in our hearts that's right you know that's right uh rabbi gary so if somebody uh wants to come and uh, see your ministry it's you are at beth ariel messianic congregation in la and uh, are yes, people are. welcome to come? Do people invite their friends? And uh, what does that look like? Oh, absolutely. We'd love to have people come to investigate, yeah. to see, invite their Jewish friends. Uh, we're very low-key, very easy group to be around. Yeah. And we meet every Saturday morning in Tarzana. We meet at the Lindley Church, which is located at 5901 Lindley Avenue in Tarzana. And then every Saturday evening, we have two services. Every Saturday evening, we're up in Valencia, and we meet at Restoration Church, which is located at 23670 Wiley Canyon Road. We meet there at 6 o'clock. And in the morning in Tarzana, we meet at 11 a.m. Yeah. You know, if you're listening, I would encourage you to go. I mean, there is, I think, an attack these days on Christianity and all of this stuff. But we are called by Scripture to, as you say, as you pointed out, our true and proper worship to exalt him. But it is it is intellectual. There's an emotional component. Yeah, yeah. But sometimes we err so – we get so far into the emotional of it that we don't think about it. Sure. And the depth of our emotion comes because we've understood that we have a real understanding. And when you understand what Passover is and what the Lord's Supper means and what Jesus is doing on Monday, Thursday, right? And it's a very powerful and deepening thing for your faith. You know, the central passage to uh, Jewish people, and certainly to we as Messianic Jews, is Deuteronomy 6.4, right? That's right. Which says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. He is it. He's yeah. the only God there is. And he's the one God. And then the passage says, and you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your mind. That's right. And so understanding is a critical part of worship, even as experiencing is a, a critical part of, of worship, and, uh, and giving. You know, whether we give our resources, our time, our energy, our money, uh, our voices— we give of ourselves, you yeah. know, in all of its fullness and all of what we're capable of 
to glorify our Lord and Savior, Yeshua the Messiah. Rabbi Gary Derashinsky, thanks for joining us today on Southern California Live. We'll have you back. There are so many things I think that we can learn together uh, that matter greatly. And if you're listening, you know, one of the things that we heard from Rabbi Gary is, is that he got saved because somebody gave him a Bible. If you've got a friend and you are hearing that going, I wish I had a Bible to give my friend. How do I get one? Go to kkla.com right now. Click on the link that's provided, and uh, we'll send your friend a free Bible. And so just click on the link. Give us your information. We'll get you a Bible to uh, give to your friend, and uh, we'd love to do that for you. Pastor uh, Rabbi Gary, thank you again for being with thank us today. Thank you for having me, Scott. It was right. wonderful being with you. Southern California Live. We'll be back again in just a few moments. Stay tuned. This is SoCal Live with Scott Furrow. Text Scott right now in the SoCal Live studio at 213-537-3812. Welcome back, everybody. Southern California Live. Pastor Scott Furrow with you. Good to be with you. Hey, if you want to join our conversation, the number is 888-528-2557. 888-528-2557. We uh, just heard from Rabbi Gary Derashinsky about... Monday Thursday. He didn't call it Monday Thursday. We'll talk about what that is, but this is Thursday of Holy Week, and he talked about Passover and why that's important. You know, I'm curious, uh, does your church have a tradition for Monday Thursday, which is today during Holy Week? I know there's a lot of things going on in the news, lots of things we can talk about, but I really want us today to focus on Easter coming up, what that means for us, and you know, why we need to know our stuff, why we need to have an idea of why it is we believe what we believe. Monday Thursday or Holy Thursday, it it matters a lot in this story, and we should know about it because Jesus Christ is rooted in the Old Testament. The story of Jesus, the prophecies of Jesus, all of it is rooted in the Old Testament. And so when Jesus comes and he enters into Jerusalem and all these things begin to take place right down to the Passover, which would have begun, I think, last night, and then it would continue now until uh, the sun goes down today, it is... It is really important because it's one of the many things that points to Jesus Christ being the Messiah, being the Savior. And sometimes we don't study these things, right? Sometimes we don't realize how rooted in history all of this is, and it matters greatly. I'm curious if your church does something for uh, a Maundy Thursday, and I'll tell you what that means here in a little bit if you're unfamiliar with it. The number is 888-528-2557. Let's go to the phones. Um, Pastor Harold, welcome to Southern California Live. Hello, hello. How you doing, Pastor Scott? I'm and doing I'm great. great. How are you today? Great, great, great. I'm going to Pastor Gary's church on Saturday for the synagogue, so I'll be there. Oh, are you? Well, I'm I'm sure that, you know, let him know that you heard him on KKLA, and, and uh, I think he will appreciate that. Hey, uh, you know, what are your thoughts about what he had to say? I know who you are, Pastor, and I appreciate your ministry as well. And I know that one of the things that you're passionate about is the, the feasts and people, Christians, understanding why this is important. Well, one thing why the feasts are important, because I want to say this real quick. Our calendars are off. We're on a 360-day calendar and not a 365 calendar. The Jewish calendar is, is 360 days, right? Yes, yes, it is. And and you can I can back that up in in Book of Revelations and Daniel that if you wanted to find out, it says a time, times divided by times. That's 360 times two 360, and uh, half the time uh, divided by 360, you get 42 months. 
and and you get the seven year triple eight, the, the seven and a half, the three and a half year tribulation period, and that's how we get the three sixty. But that's to right. say to say to say that is is we we the Jewish uh, the Bible has all the Jewish months in the in the Bible, all they all they're there. And Esther three seven says the first month that is the month of Nisan. It's right there in our scriptures. All the Jewish months are in the Bible. You won't find January, February, March in the Bible. So that's right. That's why. We have to follow the Jewish months. Now, the Jewish months of Nisan falls in the middle of March and April. It falls in the middle of March and April. And it says, it says in our, in our Bible, it says in Exodus chapter uh, 12, verse 2, it says, This month shall be the beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year to you. And then it says, You shall get a lamb, and you shall kill it in the evening. It says that in Esther 3, 6. Esther twelve six. It says, "You shall keep the lamb until the fourteenth day of the same month, which is the month of Nisan, and the whole assembly of Israel shall kill it in the evening." That's the day that Jesus died in the evening. And, and so when they killed the lamb, said to tell us die. Yeah, and so this is Im- this is important for people to know, right? Because maybe you know a lot of people wonder why is Easter never on the same Sunday? Why does it move? You know, March, uh, April, and this would be the reason why is that it's based on the Jewish calendar, correct? Yes, yes, because when you talk about the Jewish calendar, uh, 360, 14th of Nisan always fall on the 14th of Nisan, and that's why it always moves, because there's five days difference in, in the calendar. So five days is always moving. Yeah. And watch this. God has been speaking from the day he died on the cross. There was a blood moon and solar eclipse. So if God gave us 21 blood moons on the day he died, and the world is not listening. 21 blood moons on the day he died. And there was one in 2014, and I was standing on my balcony with my wine and my bread in my hand, thanking God for dying on the cross. There was a blood moon that night, thanking God, and the world was quiet. The world was quiet. 21 blood moons mm-hmm. in a day. Who could do that? Only God could do that. So a lot of this is evidence of of who Jesus is. I think it's important for people to know, and the, the argument about Jesus being the Messiah that it isn't just because a stranger came to town and made some announcements. It's because he fulfilled what the Word of God says about the Messiah and about Israel itself and the law and all of this. And that's why this is important. That's why today is important. Uh, The Passover feast is important. Yes, and one of the other things I want to mention, even when Abraham was going to sacrifice his son Mm. on the altar, and God told him to take his son, and Isaac Isaac carried the wood. Jesus carried the cross. And when he got there, he wanted his son to, to lay on the altar, and his son laid on the altar. And God says, wait a minute, don't kill your son. There was a ram in the bush with thorns on his head. Jesus had thorns on his head. And he said, I'm going to kill my son on this. Uh, uh, I'm going to kill my son. Uh, and so take your son off and remember this day. And we read in the, we read in the Bible that it says in, um, it says in the Bible, Abraham, it says, it says in John 8, 9, your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day, and he saw it and was glad. He mm. said he saw it, and what did he see? He saw yeah. Jesus coming to die for mankind's sin. That's what Abraham saw. But they didn't understand it, so the Jews said to him, you're not even 50 years old. How do you, have, you, have you seen Abraham? He said, before <laughs> Abraham was, I am. Yeah. He was always there, so he showed him this. You know, what you're talking about, I think, is so important because passages like this, they kind of, you know, we read through them in the Gospel of John, and then Jesus, you know, he says something that if you don't, 
if you don't really think about it, it's kind of weird, right? And I think we just move on. But it's it's super profound because in those statements, Jesus is making the claim that he is the Messiah, that the hearers, right, the Jewish hearers of the day yes. would have understood yes. that claim to be a claim of being the Messiah. Yes, he made a claim in the Old Testament. The Old Testament is concealed, the New Testament revealed. He's always revealing himself in the Old Testament. And if we can get the Jews to see this, it will be so powerful because the Jews will come to come to Yeshua and understand that he is the Messiah. Yeah. So, uh, Pastor, uh, you're listening to Southern California Live. I'm Pastor Scott Furrow. With me on the phone is uh, Pastor Harold Ball. Pastor, uh, what church do you pastor? Mount Calvary. Pastor Mount Calvary. Uh, missionary Church in uh, Inglewood, in L.A., in Inglewood. All right, Mount Calvary uh, Missionary Church in Inglewood. Uh, what are you doing on Sunday? You have Easter services uh, going what time? No, we, we're going to have a service starts at uh, 11 o'clock. Our service starts at 11 o'clock. All right. Well, I, I want to uh, invite people to check out your church. Uh, Pastor Harold, uh, thank you for calling and uh, and sharing that with us. I think uh, you know uh, Rabbi Derashinsky in the last segment, he talked about the months uh, Nissan in particular, and how important these feasts are. I think you've helped us uh, add to that. So I really appreciate you doing that. Thank you so much for having me. God bless you, Scott. And I, I love you. And you, you truly are a man of God, and you truly are giving people something to really think about and to, to, to get happy about right now. Yeah. Thank well, you. thank you, Pastor. And uh, I love you too, man. I hope you have a great Easter. I know you'll be uh, blessing people with your message. God bless you. Yeah. All right, everybody, that, uh, that's Pastor Harold Ball. He's called a couple of times, and uh, I've seen him at a couple of our events. And, you know, uh, a lot of pastors who are involved, uh, who are listening, I want to invite you to the KKLA Pastors Breakfast that is coming up next month. It's free. You know, that's, that's one of those words. I'll be honest with you, as a pastor, you know, uh, oh, there's a breakfast. Is it free? Yes, it's the KKLA Pastors Breakfast, and it's free. It's going to be at Shepherd Church in Porter Ranch. And uh, I really want to invite you to go to that if you are in the L.A. area. And uh, I'm looking for the, the details on here. I, I clicked on the wrong thing. You ever have that happen? It is. I want to make sure I get the date right. It's Wednesday, May 10th, Wednesday, May 10th. And we have a special guest speaker. It's Dr. Kenneth Ulmer. And uh, he, Bishop Ulmer, has been the pastor of Faithful Central Bible Church, I believe, for 40 years. He's been there a long time. So he is our special guest speaker, but you're going to hear from a lot of different speakers and pastors. It's not just for pastors, it's pastors and your staff. And if you're listening and you're not a pastor, would you invite your pastor to come to this? I'll, I'll speak to you just as a pastor. Sometimes we get busy and we think, uh, I would like to go to this, and uh, but I'm too tired. I'm busy. I got things to do. I'll tell you what, every time I thought about that, but then I went anyway, I was always blessed because I went. I always leave these things going. I'm so glad that I came because you get to have fellowship with other pastors. You get inspired because you learn new ideas. Everybody shares, hey, this is what the Lord's doing in our church. Here's something that we've been able to do to reach our neighborhood. There will be some exhibitors there, and sometimes there's something that your church really needs. Sometimes it's just great to be encouraged, and the purpose of this breakfast is so that we here at KKLA, and I know they do one of these in San Diego. It probably will happen at some point, uh, but you're always welcome to come up here too. Uh, We do this to say thank you for the hard work that you do as pastors. 
and to just say, hey, come be inspired, be refreshed, let's worship together, and let's have a good time and a meal together. And I want to encourage you to go. So it's Wednesday, May 10th, begins at 8 o'clock in the morning, and the program will begin at 9, so doors open at 8. Shepherd Church in Porter Ranch. You go to kkla.com, click the Pastor's Breakfast banner. And if you're listening and you're not a pastor, would you, do, would you just go to the website, get the link for it, and send it to your pastor and your staff at your church? They'll be blessed Go ahead and just take a moment to do that as we go to a commercial break. When we come back, we'll talk more about uh, the Monday Thursday and what happened on Holy Thursday. This is Southern California Live. Pastor Scott Furrow with you. We'll be back as the Thursday edition continues. Stay tuned. This is SoCal Live with Scott Furrow. Join the conversation now by texting Scott in the SoCal Live studio at 213-537-3812. It's Friday. Jesus is praying. Peter is asleep. Judas is betraying. But Sunday's coming. It's Friday. Pilate's struggling. The council is conspiring. The crowd is vilified. They don't even know that Sunday's coming. It's Friday. The disciples are running like Sheep without a shepherd. Mary's crying. Peter is denying. But they don't know that Sundays are coming. It's Friday. The Romans beat my Jesus. They robe him in scars. They crown him with thorns. But they don't know that Sundays come. Welcome back, everybody. Southern California Live. Pastor Scott Furrow with you. It's actually Thursday, but I couldn't I couldn't resist playing that clip from Pastor S.M. Lockridge. You've probably heard it. It goes on for a while, but he talks about how on Good Friday, you know, everything was dark and everything, and the same was true on Thursday. Everything was dark and uncertain, and the, and Jesus is is arrested and beaten and dies. But people don't know that Sunday is coming, right? And the the fact that Sunday is coming is the hope. It's the joy. And part of what Thursday is about in Holy Week, we've been talking about this all week, is uh, what happened on each day during Holy Week. When we get to Thursday, we have a much better idea specifically what happened on Thursday. Many of you might call it Monday Thursday. Some people, you might have a Monday Thursday or Monday Thursday church service. I remember as a kid, at one point, we started having uh, Monday Thursday services. And I don't even remember if we ever had a Good Friday one. I think we just had a Monday Thursday one. Uh, at any rate, you know, I would urge you to participate in your church's service or whatever they're doing. You might be just having a time of prayer or a time of worship. Monday Thursday, when you hear that, it means mandate Thursday. It's a reference to Jesus giving a new commandment. And the new commandment is John thirteen thirty four and 35. A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. This is the mandate. It's why we call it Monday Thursday. It's Mandate Thursday. It sums up what Jesus was about to demonstrate to the world and to each one of us. And we shouldn't forget that, you know, because we live in a time right now where I think, you know, when I look at things in the news, when I see, you know, not political things happening like Democrats and Republicans exactly, but what kind of philosophies and policies move forward? And you think to yourself, you know, some of this stuff that is moving forward, it suggests that 
uh, we haven't been very persuasive about the value of human life, about the value of who we are uh, as, as people made in the image of God. And some of that persuasiveness, I think, gets lost because we don't follow this mandate. Love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. What Jesus is about to show is that that love needs to be self-sacrificial. It's not a wimpy love. You know, Jesus, when he took a beating on our behalf and didn't say anything, that was hard. That was uh, that was incredibly difficult and painful thing to go through, but he had a goal. He understood the purpose. And to love people the way Jesus loved us is something that's not always easy. But the mandate tells us that everyone will know that you are disciples of Jesus because we love one another. And sometimes that's hard. Sometimes it's hard to love one another. It's hard to love when we, uh, you know, when somebody has more than us or somebody has, you know, some kind of blessing or hasn't gone through the hard time that we've gone through or they disagree or there's there's so many things that we can argue about or feel like are not fair. And, you know, I think sometimes people, just like the world, we're trying to get whatever piece of the pie we feel like we can get. And it stomps all over this command. And that's something that we should remember today. Monday, Thursday, or mandate Thursday, a new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. That's what this Thursday is about in Holy Week. And uh, a lot of things happen on Thursday. You can read a lot of it in John chapter 13 through 18. Peter and John arranged to, for them to use the upper room to have the Passover meal. Jesus washed the disciples' feet. Did you see the Jesus Revolution movie? We've talked about it before, but the feet washing scene in that movie is one of the most moving things. It's where some of the church leadership didn't want the uh, hippies to come to church because their feet were dirty, because they were barefoot a lot of the time, and they just bought new carpet. They didn't want dirty carpet. And then the scene that follows is Pastor Chuck washing the feet of the hippies coming in. And, you know, it's a very moving thing. I think uh, I think in the real story, what, what Chuck did was actually tear out the brand new carpet and throw it away. Um, but there is something in the movie here that it's so powerful. And, you know, today, in today's world, not everybody needs their feet washed. Some people do, like as a literal service. But symbolically, metaphorically, there's other ways that we need to wash each other's feet and take care of each other. What is it that we can do? I think there's a lot more that we can do. That's the love that Jesus showed us. Uh, also on Monday, Thursday, Thursday of Holy Week, Jesus announced that Judas would betray him. Uh, he announced that Peter would deny him. He prayed for the unity of his followers, including us, John 17. He went to the Mount of Olives. He prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane. He was betrayed by Judas. He healed the ear of the Roman soldier, Malchus. I think we I think we know Malchus's name because we're going to meet him. That's what I think. Uh you know, if, you, if somebody cut off your ear and then the guy uh, you're coming to arrest picks up the ear off the ground and puts it back on your head, I bet you believe. I bet you got some questions that uh, you resolve later when you see him r- risen from the dead a couple of days later. Uh, Jesus would be taken before the priests, high priests, uh, Annas and Caiaphas, uh, denied by Peter, taken to Pilate. Lots going on on this particular day. And, you know, we shouldn't just take that story and forget what it's about. It is about Jesus making the sacrifice on our behalf so that whoever would believe in him would have everlasting life. 888-528-2557. This is Southern California Live. David in San Fernando. Welcome to Southern California Live. Uh, yes. Hi, Scott. Hi, David. Hey, but, uh, I had a question. I 
I got in the car a little late. I tuned in. If you've already covered this, uh, I, 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 please forgive me. Um, we celebrate. Jesus said that as Noah was in the uh, belly of the fish or whale for three days and three nights, so shall the Son of Man be in the heart of the earth for three days and three nights. But if we do the math, unless I'm missing something, and we have him dying on Friday, well, that really doesn't add up for him uh, being resurrected on Sunday. So I'm asking, is there some measurement in the Bible that I'm missing for counting three days and three nights as a 24-hour? I don't know. There's something different. And if you could clarify that, as yeah. what day really uh, died. Uh, thank you for that. Yeah, a lot of people have that that question, and we have not covered that uh, on the show today. You know, one of the things, David, that we have been talking about, it fits into how you answer that question, and it's the Jewish calendar, okay? And it is, you know, it is something that's harder to think about because it's just different for us, all right? Uh, and there are several different solutions to that that people put forward. Um, one of them is in Esther chapter uh, 4, you find Esther exhorting Mordecai. If you know the story, by the way, if you never have read the book of Esther, it's phenomenal. It's a, you can sit down and read it in a couple hours. It is a great story. It's just a story. Yes. But it, it tells you a whole lot. It's a great, great story. Um, too many people, too many Christians have not read that. You should go read it. Um, Absolutely. And we find Esther telling Mordecai to persuade the Jews to fast, neither eat nor drink for three days, night or day. And it was in preparation for her attempt in the story to see the king, which, what she ultimately does is she saves the Jewish people. Uh, that's part of why this story is so good. Um, two verses later in Esther 5, 1, it says, Now it happened on the third day that Esther put on her royal robes and stood in the inner court of the king's palace. If three days and nights were counted in the same way as we count them today, then Esther could not have seen the king until the fourth day. And this is, this is an analogy that gets used to the exact passage that you're talking about. Um, which is Matthew twenty uh, twelve, uh, for for as Jonah was three days and nights in the belly of the great fish, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. So if three days and three nights are counted the way we count them, then you're right, Jesus would have risen on the fourth day. But when you compare the passages, we see that the third day is is equivalent to the three days. So the three days are, are Friday, Saturday, Sunday is the third day. And so when you when you deal with things like this biblically. You have to go back to, well, how does the Bible treat this same three days and three nights in other places? Mm-hmm. And it's the same. And that, mm-hmm. that's, that's one answer. There's, there's some other things that people put forward on that, but that might be the best because it's – so day one would be Friday that starts – Friday in the Bible actually starts – and this is part of it. I'm running out of time here, so I'm going to be, trying to be really quick. Starts sundown right. Thursday. really starts tonight. And it ends mm-hmm. at sundown tomorrow. Day two would Saturday, starts sundown Friday, and ends – uh, sundown uh, Saturday, and then Sunday begins sundown Saturday and ends at sundown on Sunday. Okay. So th- there's that's yeah. that's how you get there. Right. It's a great question, David. David, I'm I'm running out of time. I got a hard break coming up. I appreciate your question and for calling Southern California Live. Thanks for calling. Thank you, Scott. Yeah. All right. This is Southern California Live, and uh, it is going to be with you when you come back. I'm going to talk about. Um, you have an argument for, you've probably heard people say, well, the story of the resurrection, nobody believed that for uh, decades or for hundreds of years, and that was added later. I'm going to prove to you 
that that's not true, that the first Christians believed in the resurrection. And I'll do that when we come back. This is Southern California Live, Thursday edition. I'm Pastor Scott Furrow. I'll see you in just a minute. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. <laughs> 